They talking all of this madness, talking all of this madness, talking all of this madness. They talking all of they talking all of they talking all of this madness. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to The Perfect Edge, brought to you on exclusively on the Matt Madness Podcast Network. I'm your host, Ron Pashery. I'm here with my good friend, uh, the mouth of the bout, the face of the heel, the whole effing podcast, Donovan, the low-down Lloyd, no relation. Donovan, how's it going? A.K.A. Don DiBiase, A.K.A. Donnie Mundo, and Shanti, everyone. Shanti. This is the Gender Mahal Appreciation Show. Well, for anybody who has been living under a rock uh, since Sunday night, Gender Mahal defeated Randy Orton for the WWE Championship, just like he said he would. Uh, I believe both of us were kind of calling for this for the last few weeks. I think both of us actually wanted this to happen. Uh, it now has happened. Uh, first of all, when the it was in the heat of the match, this is a two-part question. One, were you were you 100% confident throughout the whole match that he was going to win? And then after the match, how happy were you when it finally did happen? There was one, a split second of doubt when uh, Randy tried to, to kill the Bollywood boys. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, okay, this may go left. This may go completely left, and we Vince may do, do do what we know him to do and not give us what we want. But then, you know, when Randy got back in the ring and Jinder got in there to meet him, I was like, okay, Jinder's going to win. So um, when Jinder won, um, I was on my way to work. My girlfriend was uh, about to drop me off on the way to work. And she was driving. Like, she sees me watching it, but, like, she's not really paying any mind. And so, like, I hear one, two, three, and I go, oh, my God, Jinder won. <laughs> The Maharaja won, and I think I scared her because she like, she was like, "What?" And I was like, "He won!" I'm like the Maharaja won. This is a big moment. She's like, "I don't, what? I don't care." Like you just scared that crap out of me. So, and you know, I was just so happy because it's like you know, if stuff like this, like we don't, we we kind of get it, but sometimes it's like we get it and we hate it, like. Or people hate it. Like, you know, if, if that was Roman Reigns, like, it would have been something different because he hasn't had the title in a while, but people yeah. hated it. But this is, like, complete, somebody completely different, someone completely new coming into that championship uh, ilk and actually getting the title and um, going full the way through with uh, with the plot because people get form, they form stables and stuff all the time, and they may not always necessarily get to the, the top of the iceberg with it. And they actually build gender up the last couple uh, of weeks and they actually came to a culmination with it. And I think they should continue to run with it for a little bit because it's in a transition period. So it's not like it's a big deal that he's a champ right now. And they've actually built something behind him. So I think it's good enough where they can do something with him. Now, I was seeing a lot of stuff on Twitter. Uh, half of it seemed to be people mocking fans who were upset. Like, Aleister Black specifically tweeted something along the lines of, people are mad that the bad guy won. I'll just leave it, leave it at that. Uh, then I saw other people who were defending those who were upset by saying this guy was a jobber for the last year or whatever it's been, and now all of a sudden he wins a championship. Like, why am I supposed to believe he won? Uh, do you think... Oh, and I also saw people saying that He's not getting heel heat. He's getting, quote-unquote, go-away heat. What, 
what do you say to someone who says that it was too quick, that he didn't earn his way to this title, he just kind of got thrown in a number one contender's match, wins it out of nowhere, and now all of a sudden he's the champion. Do you put stock in him not getting the the traditional build, or do you think that his build was kind of fitting for him? I think it is what if you work if you worked for a bunch of years in Walgreens and then you just so happen to get a job or a corporate job, did you necessarily work up in that corporate job to get to that corporate job? No. You did what you had to do and you got in somewhere and now you so improve once you got into a place. Like who cares? Like no one cares. Like a lot of people get to a bunch of places they don't deserve to be or necessarily don't get a build or what have you to get to a place they're supposed to be. Doesn't matter. That guy put in time. These people don't see the work that gender put in. Like he's not the only guy back there who probably puts in a bunch of work and hasn't got to a culmination yet. Like they do you, and you can clearly see the difference of the work that he's put in. Like that dude didn't look half of what he looks now a couple years ago. And, you know, that guy's been – he's been busting his ass. Like, he – I think he deserves – there's plenty of people back there who deserve uh, the title shot. And there's people back there, like, who've been doing more than him who deserve a title shot, and they haven't. But for whatever reason, they saw that this guy was busting his ass, and they put the title on him. And not only did they do that, but they actually put some people with him in the Bollywood Boys who make sense. And what they're doing, it all makes sense for him. And for whatever reason, you know – it doesn't work. It doesn't work for other people back there who are also busting their ass. But you know, what I mean, so big. Like everyone, everyone's not gonna get their shot. And then there's people who are that people may not agree with, but the storyline works for them. So my feeling is, they just had the Universal Championship on a guy who hadn't been there in 12 years. Uh, this guy's actually in the wrestling business. He actually works for the company. He's been there for a while. He's going to continue to be there. So the idea of him personally being deserving, I kind of think that should be off the table. I I can see to a, to a degree the people that are that are saying you know that the top title is what AJ and Owens should be fighting over. I'm not I'm not going to disagree with that because I think those are the, maybe the two top guys on SmackDown. You can make a case they're the two top guys in, in the whole company from a fan perspective. So I think they both obviously deserve to be in the world title picture at all times. But Randy Orton was doing nothing for me as a champion. So to me, them moving it over to gender made me way more excited than, than Randy winning it and retaining it. And that pissed me off because there are people saying, like, oh, Jinder's just going to be a placeholder champion. Randy was a placeholder champion. Brock Lesnar is a placeholder champion. You wonder why? They did nothing with the titles. So, well, in, in Brock's case, nothing with the yeah, titles. Yeah, he literally did nothing. <laughs> but they're he the took placeholders. It home. Like, like, they're really the placeholders. Like, Randy did nothing with that title. And I'm glad that Jinder took it from him to begin with because even in that bit of time that Jinder took the title from him, he did more than Randy did. He at least went and took pictures with the belt and, 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 and did things with the belt. He did way more than Randy did with the belt and so, in, in a little bit of time that he stole it. So I think, yeah, he just there's more he can do with it than Randy can. Like, Randy's boring. And shout out to Randy for dissing the uh, Black Lives Matter movement and, and dissing all the indie wrestlers who wrestle better than you. Um, yeah, there, there's a lot I could say about Randy. I believe I went at him quite a bit in our episode last week. Uh, so I'll, uh, 
I'll let that one go for now. I don't need to get all worked up about Randy Orton all over again, but I am more excited for SmackDown on Tuesday to see Jinder as the champion than I would have been to see Randy still the champion. Uh, and I'm curious to see where, where they go with it, how long he holds it, who his next opponent is. Uh, I don't know. The, the, I really don't know what to, what to think from now, from here going forward, which is always good to not know exactly what's happening. Yeah, um, yeah, um, it's it's definitely different to see, but I don't know. I, I mean, it's kind of what I said on the last episode. You put the belt on gender, Rusev comes back, they make it a thing. You got two guys who you're elevating to get closer to the title, and people are always crying and oh, you know, you have Brock, you, you're bringing back Brock, you're bringing back Tank, you're bringing back all these guys. When are you gonna build up guys? This is when they're starting to build up guys, and now you're complaining. Like, p- shut up, people. <laughs> Yeah, there. It, it, it can't be both. It's like th- this is a guy that, if you would have asked anyone when 2017 started, who's going to win their first world title in WWE this year, I would guess you less than half of a percent would have guessed Jinder Mahal, and probably not one person would have guessed Jinder Mahal. And I've already told people this is a guy who the, the WWE already saw something enough in where he faced Seth Rollins for the inaugural NXT title. So they've already saw something in him before. Yeah, it's not like they it's not like he just got plucked out of nowhere. He's he's been a part of their company for a while. And I saw that uh Drew McIntyre tweeted something about it last night. I know uh Sheamus tweeted something last night saying that that he he deserved it basically. He put in he put in the work, he and he he had it coming basically. Uh, moving on to NXT TakeOver Chicago. Now you know that I have been saying since we're going on close to I guess it's probably about eight or nine months now that I've been losing interest in NXT with each passing month. And I watch every takeover, and I usually enjoy every takeover. The weekly show does not hold my attention the way it once did. Reviews for Takeover Chicago have been raving from every corner of the internet, everyone I've spoken to in person or on the phone or via text message. Um, Were you as blown away by NXT Takeover Chicago as it seems like everybody else was? Now, I'm an advocate for saying that NXT would start to go back to what it used to be. This was signs of that. Now, I'm not going to lie. It was episodes where, like, I don't know. It's not proving me right right now. I don't know. It's not proving me right. But this show proved that I was right, that it's going to be on an uptick and that things are going to go back to normal sooner, hopefully, than later. Um, and it was a great car from, from top to bottom. Um this is this is reminding us of NXT uh, shows of old, mm-hmm. and I loved it. Period. Um, I loved it. I thought the crowd was very good, very loud crowd. I thought it was a very engaged crowd. I thought that they were in it from the beginning to the end. I there are a few things I respected about this show. Uh, one, while I. I I'd assume your match of the night was probably the uh, the UK Championship match, correct? Yes, sir. The Bruiser weight, <laughs> and I would assume that most people feel that way. Now, I my personal favorite match of the night was the tag team championship match. 
But part of that is just because I am not as versed in the UK scene as most other people seem to be. So there was, I don't want to say there wasn't an emotional investment there because the match was good. It was compelling. It entertained me. I was on the edge of my seat multiple times with some of those false finishes. But I didn't, I don't know enough about both guys to have been 100% emotionally invested where I was with the tag team match. So that would be the only thing I'd say about that. That is no slight to uh, Pete Dunne uh, or Bate. It's just more of a case of I was more invested in the two tag teams. Yeah, well, if you, like, like unless you have, like, connection to, like, the indie, like, the, the, the streaming sites or places that have, like, the indie stuff that they're they're uh, wrestling in, mm-hmm. you kind of have to, like, YouTube what you can about them and see see what you can about them. But, like, they're actually, like, friends. Like, they're in a, a group called the uh, Strong Style Collective with uh, Trent Seven. So, like, they're really good friends. So, to see them going at each other for the title, like, it... it I already knew, like, going in, knowing what I know about them, that it was going to be a great match because they know each other, they're friends. So it's going to be a really, really good match because they know each other's style, they know how to play off each other and make a great match. Yeah, I I think that... uh, So I didn't know that about them, but just from watching the match, you could tell that they knew each other inside and out. You could tell that they had a lot of familiarity with each other, they were comfortable in there with each other, and they were feeding off of each other. And I, I did think it was an incredible match. Uh, I assumed after that match was over, it was going to be the match of the night. And then when I realized that the tag match was going to be the main event, then I was like, oh, they are going to pull out all the stops uh, for this thing. Um, but before we get into the ladder match, one, did you expect Pete Dunne to, dethro- to dethrone uh, Bate for the, the title? And do you think he is the right guy for the UK championship? Um, I was pulling for him to win it in the tournament, um, but I could see them. I could see why they went with putting on Tyler. Um, he's younger, um, but I think it was appropriate. And I think, and I absolutely thought that they were going to put the title on Dunn because Dunn has the most like the heat right now. He has the most, you know, um, attention right now. To me, I don't know if someone feels differently. I would doubt that someone feels differently but he has the most attention right now um based off of he's the only one really coming out of that tournament that had uh, a character that had personality and just kind of seeing what he's been doing like uh even on the show and off the show like he's been getting a lot of uh, uh, uh looks he's been getting a lot of eyes on him at the moment so mm-hmm. it's kind of hard to not put the title on him because he's more so even though the heel like he's the favorite out of the two in my opinion so yeah, I kind of was getting that feeling that he was going to be the winner. I didn't know for sure, but it, it just seemed like that was the the direction that they were going to go. So it, it, it was a good match. It, it made me more intrigued by the whole UK championship and that whole show and the division more so than I was before. So... If that was the point of it, was to, to get even more heat on those guys, to get even more attention on them, it definitely did the job that it was put there to do. Yeah, because yeah, now yeah, I actually yeah. care about the about seeing these two guys again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because Dunn has the – he's the one with the personality. He's the one with the character. So, like, if you're going to start off a show, you got to put it on someone who you can actually do something with. Not to say that they couldn't do that with uh, Tyler Bate, but they haven't allowed – 
Tyler Bate to really show his personality or character as much as they allowed, or maybe not even allowed, but that just Pete has actually shown. So it's it's better to put it on him, knowing that he can you can run with him and do things with him. Now, are there maybe two or three other guys that I should be keeping an eye on uh, for the the UK Championship? Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously, right now they're they it, it seems like they. They're leaning to have everyone from the the British Strong Style Collective, which is Trent Seven, um, Tyler Bate, and Pete Dunne. I'm pretty sure like those are going to be the first three champ guys who have held the belt. Um, so I think Trent at some point will have it whenever they take it off of Pete. Um, it seems like they have some sort of uh, liking with uh, Mark Andrews, so I think he at some point may get a hold of it. Um, and they've they've allowed they've showed a little bit more determination to him in his last couple of matches. It wasn't he wasn't like kind of like the you know funny kid type of gimmick. He mm-hmm. seemed a little bit more serious about his match um, this past week. Um, and I'm trying to think who else was there that I think they were. Um, I'm not sure as far as a third person who they may put it on. Um, but those are like the couple of the two guys for sure that I think like they're going to look towards after they get through doing whatever they're going to do with Pete. Um, and I throw a wild card out there. I'll, I'll probably say Wolfgang. They, they, they may look to put on him. He's a big guy over there. He's probably one of the only like true big guys that like are in that, that, uh, in that, uh, I guess tournament or on that show that, mm-hmm. uh, that's around. So they may get it on him at some point as well. So you just mentioned he's one of the only big guys, and that was actually the next thing that I was going to ask you is, are we kind of almost getting a little bit of the same thing between the cruiserweights and the UK? Like, is it, is, it seems like a lot of overlap of smaller talent. Is that just my perception, or do you think that's true? Do you think we'll get guys going back and forth between those two shows? Or do you think they will try to keep those separate? And do you think they will be presented as totally different entities? I think they'll be they be they'll be shown as different entities because a lot of the European guys, like a lot most of the time they're in Europe. Like they do shows in like different places, but a lot of the time like they're I think they're trying to hold them to be in Europe for the most part and you will see them at, you know, specific things and doing different things, but for the most part I think they'll hold them over there in the UK and like pretty much placed them there to be on that show for the UK. Okay. Well, I, that, that was like my, my one concern and I, I really hadn't thought about it until I don't even think it was during that match. I think it was after that show was over. Might've even been sometime during uh, the, during backlash that I, I just had that thought of like, uh, it, you may be getting two similar products out of these things with similar, looking talent anyway, but uh, like I said, the, the UK championship match definitely piqued my interest. It definitely made me more inclined to watch it and pay attention to it going forward. So job well done by, by those two. Uh, the, the tag team ladder match, one, I was excited it was the main event. I thought it warranted a main event. Um, Especially being the way that it ultimately ended with uh, Champa turning on Gargano. And I, I kind of saw it coming as soon as they lost. 
when they got to the stage, I was like, well, maybe not. And I, I got really excited when it did happen. And did that crowd ever turn on Tommaso Ciampa? Um, but I thought that match was incredible. Some of those spots had me legitimately cringing. Like, I, I was almost, like, trying to look away from the screen <laughs> at times. I thought all four of those guys put it out on the line. I thought the match was excellent. It didn't, I don't know if it quite lived up to their match in Orlando, the, uh, the six-man tag, but uh, the elimination tag, but I, I thought this ladder match was great. What were your thoughts on the tag team championship ladder match? It was a great match. Um, it was definitely a way to end it. It's, and I feel like it was smart to put that at that point because it's hard to go back and do regular matches after you have like a stipulation match, especially one of like a ladder or a table ladder series, anything like that. So I think that was definitely smart to have that last and it, it worked to go last as well with Tommaso turning on Gargano because it, it leaves the, the show on a high note. Um, but um, I was a little worried because I wasn't exactly sure how they were going to use um, the authors of pain in this mm-hmm. match, being that there's only one other team in the match for them to go against. Yeah. So there wasn't going to be a whole lot of, you know, other high flying because you don't have like someone to bump off of like uh, uh, the revival or uh, um, the uh, the mighty Donnell or whatever they call them in the WWE. I forgot because I haven't seen them in a long time because when I'm hurting, <laughs> but um. But uh, so I was a little, you know, uh, intrigued on how they were going to use them in this match and what they were going to do. Um, but it turned out to be good, and it um, it it was definitely different. And it caught me off guard uh, to find out that that the, the ladders that they were using were wood. You know what? There was a point in there. I think it might have been the spot when DIY slammed the ladders down on AOP's backs. And it didn't hit them both at the same time. It kind of hit them one at a time. And something about the way it sounded, it, it didn't sound like steel to me. I was like, I wonder if those are just painted wood ladders. And then, of course, the one breaks, and you see clearly it was wood. Yeah. Because steel wouldn't have had, like, sawdust particles flying out of it the way the way that the wood ladder did. Um, and apparently that's not the first time they did it. They've been using it for a while now, apparently, so. Really? Well, I did a little uh, Googling, and apparently that's not the first time that they've used wooden ladders. Um, Not even on NXT shows, but, like, I heard they've used them a couple times on main shows as well, which makes sense. How did uh, Gargano take that shot to the face? Uh, It definitely caught him off guard. Um, He definitely didn't see that coming. And I don't think no one did. um, because like it was kind of at the end of the show, like they bought up the little barcode at the bottom, the mm-hmm. at the bottom, and it's like, all right, the show's gonna end. And then like he hits it, and that thing goes immediately away. So he's like, oh, this is a spot. <laughs> so um, he definitely didn't see it coming. I don't think anyone saw it coming. There's there may be a few people who possibly saw it coming, but very very little people saw that coming. And it was definitely a great way to end the show. And it's gonna build for something else that are going into their next pay per view. Um, they just have to build it well. And build it right, but I mean, we've already seen those two have a great match last summer, so it's. I think it's going to be uh, something that people are going to definitely look forward to, um, and I think it's going to uh, 
you know, when we finally see the match, it's it's going to be, you know, something to see, something to watch. Um, hopefully Gargano doesn't get beat up the whole match like <laughs> Yeah, I'm looking forward to that again, especially now that this is not, they're not two friends that just happen to end up meeting up in this tournament that they both want to win. This is like now there's actual bad blood between the two of them. So I really look forward to seeing that. Now, are those guys going to end up in 205 Live? Because they were supposed to and just never uh, happened. They're not needed there. I mean, you could put them there to, you know, to to do something with them, I guess. But I don't think they're needed there. Like, I think they're fine where they are. Um, I don't think they're needed to go there. So you just want to see them stick on NXT for the yeah. time being and let them have their singles program, however long that's going to go on for. Yeah, I don't think they're needed to go on 205 Live at all, unless you're going to, you know, push them, propel them to their own thing on there. Because, I mean, that's, those are two guys where you could put them on 205 Live, give them a storyline, and they don't need a title to it. Um, but they don't. I don't think they need to go to 205 Live. Yeah, I just was kind of wondering, because I remember them being advertised for the cruiserweight division, <laughs> and then they just end up being attacked on NXT yep. for the next nine months. There are a lot of people advertised for the cruiserweight division, and we've seen very little of them. Well, that's true. They definitely have not uh, Thanks, made the WWE. yeah. They haven't made the best use of all of that talent. Although, from what I hear, and I don't know how much you pay attention or how much you keep up on Two Hundred Five Live, but Derek and Russ definitely keep telling me that it's getting better. And uh, Preptagon Junior. Josh Aguina uh, tells me the same thing uh, every time I speak to him. So. I think I missed about a week or two um, just because I'm tired of seeing the same crap. So you think um, it's too repetitive? Uh, to some extent, yeah. Like I, like, I literally didn't watch this past week or two, and I asked, what happened to Grand Metal League? And then they were like, oh, he wrestled this past week. And I'm like, and they were like, he lost. I'm like, this is why I didn't watch in the past two weeks, because you have people like that that are on that are great, and you have them lose. Like, and there's just so many people that you had in that tournament, and we've only seen, like, maybe 10 of them. Maybe not even that. Yeah. Well, I don't you know. have Alicia Fox on there. <laughs> is she, uh, well, she's back, isn't she? I don't know, and I hope not. I'm pretty sure that she is back with Noam Dar. And I just, don't pull Sasha Banks into this crap. I don't foresee that. I will come up to Connecticut and knock on that door until I get in to, to voice my opinion. Do not bring Sasha Banks on that show. Yeah, my hope was the worst thing they ever did with her was going to stay Team Bad. I hoped it wouldn't get any worse than that, but bringing her on 205 Live would definitely be uh, a step back. Best. I think her and the Enzo thing was probably the worst. Oh, uh, I wish you hadn't <laughs> brought that up because I had, I had erased that from my memory that that ever happened. Yeah, uh, it's it's my, and I don't agree with it. I don't appreciate it. Thanks, WWE. Yeah, I'm hoping that I, that I forget that again. Um, That's fine. <laughs> the, the last thing I want to get into from NXT is Asuka wins a triple threat match against Ruby Riot and Nikki Cross. Another match that I thought was good. I actually did like the finish to it. Uh, obviously, I think we've all been banking on Ember Moon is going to be the one to dethrone Asuka. She's been getting groomed for that since she debuted. She obviously was out with the injury, which I believe, I, I don't know, was, was it a real injury? Was it not? I haven't read much into it. Um, I hope it's not real, um, but it could be. 
I don't know, because I feel like the way she got thrown, I feel like it was kind of staged. So I, I would think that it's not real, and she's just playing it up in there, just saving it to kind of propel those two girls um, and kind of putting off the match between Ember and Asuka to the point where they'll dethrone Asuka and send her up. I feel like Derek and Russ said that it was a work. And I, yeah, I, I believe they said it on their episode this past week. I'm trying to remember because I was listening to the to their show in the airport, uh, walking through the airport, and I, I'm pretty sure I heard them say that. I'm not 100% certain if I'm remembering that correctly. Um, but do you agree that it's definitely time to move Asuka up as soon as possible? Because I feel like she's kind of run her course in NXT a little bit. And this is coming from someone who's a huge... Asuka fan, I just feel like there's nothing left for her there. I don't know. I mean, I like where she is. Like, I think she's starting to really hit her stride as far as, like, being a heel. Um, and I feel like she has some people there now that they can kind of bounce her off of um, with Nikki and Ruby and, uh, and, and, and Ember. Because, um, I'm sorry, but, you know, the, the two Australian girls, they were doing nothing for me. Liv Morgan was doing nothing for me. And I feel like these girls are more characters that Oscar can bounce off of that you can get behind, you could care about. Um, even if they don't win, it's still more intriguing to watch them to me than the, the other girls that they've had her go against. Um, but I like what she's doing right now, the whole, you know, dismissing people and no one's ready for Oscar and just kind of really building up, you know, her heel persona. I like what she's doing. Um, if they send her up, I think they could do stuff with her, but I feel like they don't, they don't need her necessarily right now on the main roster, but I'm never against, you know, someone like that, that's been doing as great of a job as she's been doing going up. So, I mean, yeah, I just, I just think up, it's time. Cool. I think, yeah, she, yeah, she's been there for a while. I mean, she's held the title for over a year now. So, I mean, it's it, rightfully so she can go up. She deserves to go up, but, um, does she need to, uh, no, cause I don't want her to go up and then they have her, Basically do what they're doing with Shinsuke Nakamura out of facing a dull Ziggler <laughs> or something like that. Well, that was my that was my next uh, thing that I was going to say is that that's my one concern is that they're going to start calling her the uh, the artist known as Asuka or something stupid like that. Hopefully they don't put her in a program with Dolph Ziggler when she gets up there. The artist. <laughs> um, I just think it's time for Ember Moon to win that title. And it's time to see Asuka move on to, to bigger and, and better things. The only thing I'm wondering about is, like you said, you're not a big fan of Liv Morgan. You're not a big fan of uh, Peyton Royce and Billy Kay. I actually do like those two. Um, but without Asuka, who is, like, has Ember Moon, I don't think, has become a big enough attraction yet to replace Asuka. Or do you think that she has? I think that everyone knows, like, all right, she's going to be the one who takes the title when she leaves. Um, and I think that's kind of why they, they're they holding off her versus Ember Moon to make it something more respectable for Oscar leaving. But, like, I'm, I'll ask you, like, you specifically, because I don't know if the masses have accepted Ember Moon yet. When you, when you see an Ember Moon match, does she captivate you the same way Oscar did when she was in her first few months? I feel like... She can, but I, I feel like she hasn't showed everything that she has to to win that title yet. Because I, I actually went and watched a lot of her old, a few of her old matches um, when I f- found out that she was coming over to um, 
the NXT as I think her 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 indie name was Athena or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, Athena Reigns. Yeah, because I watched it like a while ago, but um, I watched a lot of her old stuff. And so just and I feel like they do that with everyone. Like when you come from the indie scene, like a lot of your moves get stifled. You don't show your whole repertoire because WWE. Um, so <laughs> I feel like she she has a lot that more that she can show, and she has a lot more that she can do. And I feel like once they have the match with her, Oscar, and it's gonna be the one where she actually takes the title. I feel like they'll let her go a little bit more. And we'll see more of what she can do. Um, but I know that she can do it, and I feel like. They've kind of held her back a little bit from doing it to save it to make a, a better match for when she takes the title off of Oscar. Yeah. Now, so this is actually the last thing on NXT. So you now you have you were, you've been one of the people that has been preaching, especially to me, preaching patience with NXT. Like they will turn this thing back around eventually. Just give it some time. Now I know you're not saying NXT Takeover Chicago was the official turnaround. Like, now it's back to where it was. But do you think Chicago is a turning point? Like, they're now on the road back to that finally. Yeah, absolutely. Because I don't, they didn't even put all the matches that they have storylines for on that show. They just gave us, what, six matches? And they were all good. Like, I mean, the last one was like, there were like one or two where we were like, eh. But this 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 card, there weren't any matches that we had. We were like, uh, like, everything pretty much held on its own, stood on its own. It was good from the beginning match to the end match. I love what they're doing with Sanity. AOP is low down approved. <laughs> um, I, I love, and I feel like at, at some point this is what this is what I foresee and would like to see. I would like to see Sanity with all the titles. I and would like to see that bit. too. I think I've been clamoring for that since they first showed up. Like I think that would be great. That that's kind of what I wanted with. Uh, the Wyatts, like I wanted a heel faction to be just terrorizing the entire roster. And that never happened, obviously. I think it would be cool if they did that with Sanity on NXT. Yeah, because they're all, you have all the right pieces, like at this point. Like even them replacing uh, the one guy and bringing uh, Killian Dane, mm-hmm. like that was a good replacement. And he filled in, and it, to me, it seemed like he fit even more than the other guy did. Um, and I, I just like you have Eric Young leading them, and I like I like his look. I like you know what he you know the stuff he's saying, and you know I like him. I like all of them. And I feel like having putting the titles on all of them and letting them run for a little bit, just you know to, to cause chaos and NXT would would be a good thing. But you know we'll see what the WWE does. Yeah. Uh, so last thing for wrestling, I know you mentioned last time we were here on the Perfect Edge. You wanted to give us a top five list of your wrestling bays, and now you upped it to ten. So are, yeah, are you ready to unveil your top ten list for the week? Yeah, I could have easily gone in maybe twenty. Um, <laughs> I have sleeper pick. I have some reserves. <laughs> like yeah, yeah. It's and I'll I'll give the reserves too, and you guys can go and do your googles. But my top ten, I have narrowed it down. So did you you did you've done yours too, right? Uh I didn't, but I'll do my best to uh to come up with ten. Uh so All you right. can give yours first. Okay. So top ten wrestling bays, and I only use the word bay because I hate it and I hope people will stop. Um <laughs> so number one and this is no So you're trying to put no, an end to the word bay right here. Yeah, I use I, I purposely say words that I hate to hope that people will go. You're using the word and stop. And I'm a cool guy, but I want people to stop using it. <laughs> so, um, 
this is no particular order, but I'm gonna go ahead and say it, man. It's, it's tough. It was tough. It was very <laughs> tough. There's a lot of there's a lot of wrestling bays out there. So, um, number one, Mickey James. Okay. You can't go wrong with Mickey James. Do you um, take you take a Mick kick? Yes, very much so. <laughs> number two, Victoria. Okay. I've always had a huge crush on Victoria. Victoria's a beautiful woman, so she's in there. Melina, we all know my love for Melina, so she's number <laughs> three on the list. No, no, no secret there, no surprise. Number four, the person who should have went into the Hall of Fame this year, China. Mm. I don't care what no one says. Everyone had a thing for China because she's China. She was wonderful. She was great. She was beautiful. <laughs> what more can you say? Uh, number five, and this may come as a surprise, probably not, it shouldn't, but Sasha Banks. Okay. Because Sasha Banks, that's why. <laughs> All right? The girl's beautiful. She's pro- she's definitely, I don't care anyone, she's top five female wrestlers that I've ever seen in my life, probably of all time. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, if you one of those people who, you know, the old sticklers who like, oh, I don't care. She's <laughs> one of the top five women wrestlers of all time. Um. All right, now we're moving into the back half of it. Okay. Number six, Francine. Wow, okay. Because that is a gorgeous woman. And for me, she was the woman who did it for me with ECW. Um, and the other person is in my reserves, who I will get later. <laughs> um, number seven, and this, is, this might catch you by surprise as well, Ivory. Okay. That does catch Ivory. me by surprise a little bit. Ivory was a very beautiful woman, and even though they they kind of put her in, they've put her in the spots with the other females, like the bikini contest and things like that. But she has a body. She is a gorgeous woman, and she's on my list. Um, number eight, which I think a lot of people probably have forgotten about her, Tori from uh, the DX uh, faction. Um, and if you don't remember, do your googles. Yeah, uh, I. Uh... I didn't forget. I would hope not. <laughs> it was hard for me to forget. So, um, like again, another uh, gorgeous woman. She did her part um, when they bought her in the DX. And, you know, yeah, I, it was hard to leave her off my heart. <laughs> so, um, and the last two are, are definitely left field. No one would probably even think to put them on the list. And I'm sorry, JoJo, you're not on my list. <laughs> You're on my my list now, so I hope that counts for something. But <laughs> the last two, uh, the first one of the last two, Spice, whose name is Melissa Bellin from the Nitro Girls. Okay, I did not see a Nitro Girl getting in here. Oh, buddy. I, I did some digging. I had to go <laughs> back to my childhood. Had to, I had to have a little sit down with, with uh, young Donovan and, and going to the depths of who were the women that, that, that got me watching wrestling. <laughs> And the Nitro Girls were definitely a part of it. If you don't know who she is, go and do your Googles. And last but not least, because I have reserves, so obviously she's not least, Tigress, whose real name is Vanessa Sanchez, who is also a Nitro Girl. Okay. So two Nitro Girls to round out the list. Absolutely. And give me a couple of your reserves. All right. So now this, I have a lot of reserves, so. And some of them are from now, some of them are of old. So I give the now from the reserves now. I would have to say Charlotte and Alexa Bliss, 
Um, though they they're my two of my favorites now. They're probably two of my three favorites now. So uh, this is why I said this list is hard, people. Like if if you'd ask me to do this list again, it may be different the next. Time. <laughs> so I don't know. It's a hard list, but um, some more of my other reserves: April Hunter, uh, Kimberly Page, hmm. who was also in the Forty Year Old Virgin. She was the one who had the nip slip and the speed dating. Um, <laughs> Tori Wilson. Okay. Who I'm pretty sure is on a lot of people's top ten list. Mm-hmm. But this isn't their list. Um, and Stacy Keebler and Dawn Marie. Okay, that's not bad. Not a bad list of reserves. Um, all right, so you can ask Alo. You can ask Eck. I am not good at coming up with these things on the fly. I'm going to try to count down from ten to one. Uh, I'll say number ten. Alexa Bliss. I will say number nine, Tori Wilson. I will say number eight, Tori. I will say number seven. I'm going to go with Lita. I was a big fan of Lita back in the day. I was too, but I'm having a hard time still forgiving for what she did to Matt. Yeah, she didn't do it to me, so I'm not too worried about it. <laughs> um, number six, I'm gonna say Naomi. Number okay. number five, Asuka. Yeah, I can see that. Number four, Trish Stratus. Okay. You were not the, a big Trish Stratus fan, correct? Uh, I like her for what she for. I, I liked her. Like she just didn't like. I wouldn't say she didn't do it for me, but they like. In that time when she was wrestling, I was on to, I was on to Lita. I <laughs> didn't put her on my list, but I, I was more into Lita than I was Trish. And I was more into Victoria than most people at that time. So. Yeah. Uh, number three, I'm going to go old school and show my age. This was the, the first woman that ever caught my attention in the world of wrestling. Uh, she was the valet and eventually the wife of one of my absolute all-time favorites, the Macho Man Randy Savage, Miss Elizabeth. I can see that. That's a good pick. Number two, Melina. And that is not just because we met her last month. Uh, I believe if we go back to sometime last summer, we were asked to rank our favorite women of all time, and Melina was my number one. Uh, But she has been surpassed by someone... And that's someone at number one on my list. Everybody probably is expecting it from me. Uh, the boss, Sasha Banks. Absolutely, no problem with that at all. I actually I like came up with ten. I don't, I'm kind of proud of myself. That's uh, a pretty good list, buddy. That's <laughs> uh, a pretty good list. Uh, yeah, that's 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 a pretty solid list. Um, it was a lot harder. It seemed like it was a lot harder for me than it was for you. But um, I don't know. We may have to revisit this again at another time. See what yeah, if, if I sat down and really thought about it, I'm sure that list would change a little bit. Yeah, yeah um, my list may change. I don't know. But we mentioned some people who haven't been mentioned probably ever on this podcast or before in many podcasts. So you're welcome, ladies. And if you hear this, please come on our show. <laughs> yes. We always have an open seat for any of the uh, 25 or so women that were mentioned, <laughs> mentioned in this in this segment. Now, speaking of women, uh, there is a woman who is 
in, in my opinion, she should be in the top three or four on everyone's pound-for-pound pound fighter list in the UFC. You wanted Jojacek? Jojacek. Is he, is the, do they pronounce the R? Because I heard people just calling her Jojacek earlier today. I mean, it doesn't matter as long as you know that she's a champion. She is a champion, 14-0. and 0. Um, One of the most dominant fighters in the entire world of mixed martial arts. Uh, I looked uh, over the weekend at her six championship fights. She's had six fights for a championship. Her strikes landed are 971 in those six fights. That's how many strikes she's landed on her opponents in six fights. Strikes landed against her by her opponents, 328. So she is tripling her opponents in strikes landed in those six championship fights. I'm not sure, and I'd have to actually go back and really look at this, but I can't imagine too many people have been more dominant in championship fights than she's been in her six. Uh, yeah, it's, 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 she's one of those people who have completely found her niche in her game, and it's hard to to beat her. Um, I think her last fight was, uh, was uh, I think, it was either Kyle Lang, was it Kyle Langus? Uh, that was her most recent fight before 211. Jessica yeah. Andrade was her most recent fight. Yeah, and I think either her or the one before that was the one where it looked like she was actually like having some competition. But uh, with Andrade, um, the first round it looked like okay, this this may be a little competitive, and then after that it just was completely shown that it's it's not. Um, <laughs> and I and as soon as I seen like the the height difference and the reach difference, I was like. Like, she's probably going to try to charge her to take her down, and it's going to be so hard because Joanna's just going to punch and kick on her. And that's exactly what Joanna did. Like, she literally just punched and kicked on her the whole time. Um, she wasn't really worried about her trying to do the takedowns. As um, soon as she got free, it was just right back to the game plan, punch and kick. Um, and, like, just did, like, and I feel like anybody, like, who, who, who's been fighting long enough knows, like, all right, like, if, if I need to win this on points or if I need to win this by a round, I'm going to need to do strikes. The easiest strike that people are doing is just delay kicks. Oh, yeah. And I feel like that was a smart thing to do. Like, all right, like, you're going to try to take me down. I had the advantage on you reach-wise. I'm just going to sit here and kick and punch on you. Um, and what she did, she had the more total strikes. She had the more significant strikes. Um, Andrade had uh, the two takedowns. Um but she just couldn't she couldn't do anything with her. Like it was really hard to, to, to keep her down. Um and Yana just punched and kicked on her the whole fight and you know came out the winner, no real surprise there. Yeah, won all five rounds, had one ten eight round, I believe, from one judge, had a fifty fifty to forty four scorecard. Uh there's one two things I'm a little concerned about with Yoana. One is in her interview on Fox after the fight. She closed her interview by asking, who's next? And I don't know if I should be happy about that or if I should be annoyed about that. Maybe I'm happy because maybe she can take who's next away from Goldberg and it can now be her thing. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, I, I definitely wouldn't have connected Goldberg. <laughs> oh, well, you, you know, and Eric pointed this out to me recently, he thinks that my disdain for Goldberg is starting to get unhealthy. 
where I just can't let it go. And I may be proving that right now by the fact that she said who's next to her challengers, and that's the first thing I thought of is why is she using Goldberg's line? But Yeah, I, I wouldn't even thought of Goldberg. <laughs> I literally tried to remove him from my mind the last couple months or so. Yeah, the one now the one legitimate concern I had with her is I heard a lot of people. I heard uh, Woodley. I heard, I believe Cormier may have said it. Kenny Florian may have said it. Um, Brian Stan may have said it. That people are starting to now question who can challenge her. Like who is there to challenge this woman? She's she's unstoppable. And every time that people start questioning that, that person ends up getting getting beat. It happened to Ronda Rousey. I remember it happened to BJ Penn back in, I believe, 2010. He was unstoppable at lightweight. They were saying he's the most dominant lightweight of all time, which he was. I remember Joe Rogan during the Diego Sanchez fight which was a massacre, saying that they might have to get this guy Aoki from Japan to come over and challenge BJ Penn because there was nobody. And then he lost his next fight to Frankie Edgar. And then he rematched him. He lost to him again. So I believe it happened to GSP. People thought when he knocked off Matt Hughes, this guy's never going to lose at welterweight again. And then Matt Serra beat GSP. It happened with Ronda Rousey against Holly Holm. It just seems like when these champions get get to the point where people are thinking there's no one who can challenge them, it seems like that's when someone comes out of nowhere and steals their belt. Do you think she's, she is actually just too dominant and there just isn't enough competition in that weight class? Or do you think that there is a risk that she's eventually going to take someone a little too lightly? Um, I mean, I can see both sides. Um, I definitely think she's, she has consistently shown our dominance at this point. Um, and I mean, I feel like that's, that's, that's going to be an issue in, uh, in a few weight classes, like, um, that there's going to be people like, like, I mean, definitely at the, they're, they're saying the same thing about Stipe after this, um, after uh, his fight, with, uh, Dos yeah. Santos, uh, who is he going to fight? Um, and it's just like, you know, there's more people, like people forget, like those rankings go upward. So it's like, you know, start putting these matches together to start building more people to bring up forward. Because there may be somebody who's in the upper rankings who will be more uh, competitive because, you know, the, the, the saying is styles make fights. So there may be someone who has a style higher up in the rankings who may be more fitting and, and, and competitive for, for Joanna and for uh, a Stipe or, you know, any other uh, of the divisions. But they had to start making these fights. Um and it's hard because there's some, you know, there's solid gatekeepers, and I think in every uh, weight class. Um, so it's hard to get get that point. But start pushing those people upward. Um, start making, you know, unorthodox um, fights, and, and start pushing people upward. Uh, speaking of pushing people upward, and I mentioned BJ Penn a moment ago. We had Yair Rodriguez, who absolutely obliterated BJ Penn in the most lopsided defeat of his. Hall of Fame career. I knew you weren't going to let this go. I can't. Uh, Yair, I think, I looked at, I watched him in that fight. I saw him against Bruce Leroy, and that guy just looks like he's the next form of evolution in that division. Um, but 
he did it against BJ Penn, who is a shell of what he used to be. He went up against a hungry, motivated, still probably very much in his prime Frankie Edgar, and he got absolutely steamrolled. Uh, now, this to me does not make me think any less of Yair Rodriguez's future because I think he is a future champion, but he showed that he was just not ready to fight a guy of that caliber yet. Do you agree, or do you just think he had a bad night? Uh, no, Frankie. <laughs> Frankie bullied that man the whole fight. <laughs> um, put a nice little... Uh, uh, Derek McCauley said he put a nice little buffalo wing under his eye. I see some <laughs> Italian sausage. Put a little Italian link under that eye. Um, but he, yeah, he, 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 he just, he just got beat. He got the crap beat out of him that whole fight. Um, he was trying to go for a submission attempt, but it just wasn't enough. Like Frankie was just literally like beating the crap out of that kid the whole fight. So it, I, it's not that. I mean, he could have had a bad night, but I doubt it because um, Frankie just looked way too comfortable in there. So. Well, yeah, Frankie is a is a future Hall of Famer that is still fighting at a Hall of Fame level. Uh, I mean, he lost to Aldo, but Aldo again is one of the all time greats. Yeah, no, there's no, there's. I mean, there's certain people that you lose to, whether you like the people or not. It's just like that person is good, like they're great. Like there's no, there's no real, you know, tier. There's no losing for losing to someone who's a great. You know, what I mean, just it is what it is. So. Yeah. So, so, Jose Aldo's I mean, only loss in the last what twelve years is to Conor McGregor. Yeah. So it's there's nothing to be you know I mean oh, there is but there is to be yeah. upset about. <laughs> yeah. Now I don't know where they go next for Yair. Like if they just find another young guy for him to go up against, if they find somebody who's maybe a little older and in between skill levels between BJ and Frankie. But I'm I'm curious where they go next for Yair because I think his next fight is going to be incredibly important for him. One to see how he bounces back from. I mean, he took a thrashing. Yeah, he got the crap beat up. Well, one of my favorite young guys. I haven't seen him in a while. It's probably because he's been losing. And that's Sage <laughs> Northcutt. Um, I I I don't even know if they're in the same class, but I I wouldn't mind seeing Sage and Yair. But at the same time, I would because I don't want Sage to lose again. So. Um, yeah, Sage, I believe, is at 170. So, but, I mean, it doesn't really matter who's losing at the weight he's at. So <laughs> we're not going to talk about him until he wins. Um, but, yeah, um, I don't know. But I, he's definitely, like, guy is definitely talented. He's definitely um, going to, uh, the future of that division. So, uh, I don't know. We just have to sit back and wait and see what they do with him next. Yeah, I- I'm curious. Um, in the 155-pound division, we have the former – Lightweight champion Eddie Alvarez in a very controversial... It was a no contest, correct? Yeah. Against Dustin Poirier. It was... Clearly, it was an illegal strike. Uh, But, now, this is... UFC is going to need to try to find some way to get universal rules across all states and in all countries because... One, like, these referees are in there, not to be dramatic, but to to protect these fighters' lives. Like, really, their lives are in their hands to a certain degree. And these guys are going all out. Like, Eddie said after the fight, I am in a fist fight. I was just trying to, to do what I had to do. I I think his yeah, eye was closed mode. up. 
Right. Was Eddie's eye closed up in that fight, or am I remembering that incorrectly? Uh, I think he was like he probably had trouble seeing Eddie because you know he was he was definitely in survival mode. He was just going for what he knew at that point. Um, I don't even blame Eddie. I blame Dustin Poirier because you had to fight one, and you allowed Alvarez to get a hold of you and to be able to put you in the position where that happened to you. I blame I, I blame Poirier. I don't even blame Alvarez. Yeah, he apparently is. I think like looking to uh, contest the decision or whatever. Now, Herb Dean ultimately said that it was not an intentional illegal strike. So that's why he made it a no contest instead of like a DQ. I guess that they probably are going to run this fight back because it honestly was an incredibly exciting fight up until it was stopped. Yeah, you could put that on a um, on a, a fight night um, and, and main event and make money off of it because there's definitely something behind those two fighting now, so... You know what I mean? You ended up the, the the UFC wins on that one because they end up getting a main event for you know for a fight night, um, and yeah, they 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 won off of that one. So yeah, I uh, and to me, if nothing else, this fight kind of is more proof of the greatness of Conor McGregor because Eddie Alvarez is known for taking beatings early in fights and storming back to steal them. And Conor McGregor was one fight where he never even came close to storming back. He was getting dropped basically every time he was getting touched in that fight. I He was on the ropes in this one. He was wobbled a few times, but he came storming back. And it looked like he had turned the tides, to me anyway. With Conor McGregor, he never even sniffed turning the tides in that fight. I think he knew it was over from the first time he got hit. Yeah, and it's, <clears throat> I just found it, fun. I mean, well, I guess you got to keep on fighting because, you know, Conor is definitely not worried about MMA right now. Because <laughs> um, the man just like, you're fighting on the under, like, you're fighting on the, the, the undercard, and you're, like, you're not even, like, I mean, I guess he's still in title contention, but uh, it's hard to contend when the person who has the title is not worried about you, or anyone else for that matter. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think it, it turned out in, 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 Alvarez's favor because it it became a spectacle in its own right. So I think it, it if they build it up correctly, that you can main event it. So um, and it gives Alvarez something else to do while Connor isn't paying attention to him or anyone else. Uh, yeah. Now speaking of Connor, there has been talk of Connor possibly having a fight with GSP because they've talked a little trash about each other. GSP was supposed to fight Michael Bisping for the middleweight championship, which really pissed me off because, to me, a guy who's never fought in that division, in that weight class, definitely has no business walking right into a title shot in his first fight in three and a half, four years. Uh, that's off the table because he was dragging his feet as far as agreeing to a date for the fight. So Mike Dana White and Michael Bisping moved on. And uh, I believe Yoel Romero is going to get that next uh, title shot. Uh, but now they're saying GSP is going to challenge in October, September, October, whoever the 170-pound champion is. And I still don't think he deserves that. I get it that he never lost that belt. But that dude's been gone for a while now. I think he needs to earn that. Dana White just made the whole the whole comment about you know, like Luke Rockhold, who I'm no fan of, 
you need to earn these title shots if you want them. Well, GSP has done less to earn a title shot than anyone else at 170 pounds. Uh, am I wrong about that, or do you think the fact that he is looked at as a money fight, that that gives him the special privilege of not having to do anything? Well, I think, obviously, they're, they're going to go nine times out of ten with the money fight. Because, I mean, you look at John Jones, who's coming off of his second hiatus, who's going to fight Cormier soon, which, I mean, it was more so definitely with Cormier pushing for it. Like, it makes it a lot easier for that to happen. And then uh, you got Rousey, who took a year off, who mm-hmm. I mean, obviously she's still the number one contender because she lost and just didn't fight again for a whole other year. But yeah. she came back and fought as well. Um, and I don't know, I feel like it's it's a hard argument to say, like, oh, he doesn't deserve it when he never lost the title. And then you have two other people who, one of which just continuously jacked up their opportunities, <laughs> who, who, who the two times he's come back, was automatically put in title in, in title uh, in title matches, so it's hard. It's a hard point to argue um, to say that GSP doesn't deserve it when one he never lost his title, um, and in any other place, like people would advocate for that. So it's kind of hard to, to to say that on behalf of GSP when you have two other people who were put directly back in title fights when they came back. So that's just my take on it. That's how I see it. Like yeah, like I get it. GSP is still a name, and they know they could really hype him up and get a and lot of headlines. how much longer does he have? Like, you know, so how much longer does he have? Like, we don't know how much longer he's going to be doing that, so. That's a good point. Uh, and I know you're not a big Tyron Woodley fan. Nope. But I hope Woodley knocks him out. Uh, I want to see that just get put to bed immediately. I can't say I, I share those sentiments, but um, <laughs> I, I know you don't. I just uh, think uh, I it really bothered it. me that he thought he he should go fight in a different weight class and just immediately be granted a title shot. That really rubbed me the wrong way, and I want to see him uh, get his comeuppance for for that. Yeah, I mean, I'm 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 not leaning either way in that aspect, so <laughs> I wouldn't be I wouldn't be upset if it happened, but you know, whatever. Well, yeah, well, bridging the gap between UFC and boxing. Oh, real quick. Oh, yeah, go ahead. For all of you uh, UFC fans, MMA fans out there, if you're not watching this season of The Ultimate Fighter, you are missing out. (laughs) TJ Dillashaw and Cody Garbrandt are the thing to watch on a show that isn't supposed to really be about them. So you're saying the coaches are the reason to watch this year? Absolutely, I haven't. It hasn't been this much fun to me since since Uriah and and Connor won. Oh man, that season was great. <laughs> and Cody trying to fight Connor in that season. Yeah. So uh, it's definitely like these two. They, they were fighting the first episode. So you know they they were on their way into uh <clears throat> into the room where uh, the octagon is. And they didn't even, like, make it in. They were arguing outside and ended up fighting before they went in. Like, <laughs> there's just so much. And it's, it's building for, for their fight that I think it's supposed to happen in July. Um, it's just it's, it's so good. And uh, I think Cody's team is on, like, a four-fight losing streak or something like that. Mm-hmm. So he's obviously just getting more and more pissed by it. On top of you have the person that you despise the most right now, like, running that team that you're losing against. Um, yeah, I actually saw the most recent episode 
uh, on Sunday afternoon. And it, that was definitely what they said, that it was, it was 4-0 four, four in favor of Dillashaw. So I didn't see too much uh, interaction between the two coaches on that particular episode. I did on the commercial see some of the fireworks, but it definitely seems like there's promise for that to be a very entertaining season of The Ultimate Fighter. Yeah, Cody is just a high head, and I love it because it just <laughs> he's always like it's so easy for them to start bickering with each other, and it's the, and it's different to see Uriah Faber like getting in the mix of it, mm-hmm. and like kind of seeing him like, and it's funny because like him and to me him and TJ kind of have the same temperament, so to hear like Uriah kind of come come out of his character a little bit and like kind of get involved in it, not super involved in it, yeah. but to you know to see him like angry and seeing his piece is is different, so. <laughs> yeah, I uh all right, I, I guess I could second that because the uh it does seem like a fun season. It's a, it's a lot of ultimate fighter it's all ultimate fighter veterans on that show this year, right? Yeah. Um re- all returning guys from previous seasons. Um and I know <laughs> next week is what? Diego Lima? Yeah. Uh no, not Diego Lima. That was the past one. That was that you're probably at uh episode behind them because Diego Lima and I forgot the other guy's name but they fought the last episode that I've seen um and they were the two they were each well one was the runner-up on his season and one was a finalist yeah on his season um and they they both fight for the same gym so and they were trying to avoid that um at least till like the second uh go round but um Cody put them against each other to you know Basically, try to use the emotional aspect to to get an edge for his team. And, okay, so I didn't see the most recent episode. I saw two episodes ago. Yeah, so I actually think they're five now. Um, but okay, it didn't go well. It didn't go. It didn't go in, in Cody's favor. And, um, <laughs> so, well, yeah, I'll, I'll get behind. People should be watching tough because it does seem like a fun season. I think it's cool that these are all guys that have been there before because they know better than anyone else what's on the line, what's at stake, how important this is. So you're going to see a lot of guys, you know, digging deep in these fights. So it, it'll be a fun season. <clears throat> um, so now bridging the gap between UFC and boxing, Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather, this is the story that just won't go away. It seemed like for a while everyone believed this will never happen. Dana White will never sign off on it. Dana has now officially agreed to let Connor do it, and he's kind of pushing for it to happen. Connor just said something, I believe, on Instagram saying, like, Floyd, sign your side, or else you're just a mouth. Uh, does that mean Connor has signed some type of agreement? I would probably think so because, I mean, he's, he obviously wants to fight, so I wouldn't see him to hesitate to sign anything if it's on the table. I um, mean, it makes sense to him. Um, so I would think so, yeah. <clears throat> I'm hoping, cause yeah, Dana and them were the the the, the real big holdup of it all. So yeah, so now it comes down to does Floyd really want it? And at this point, you know what? I see both sides of the coin for Floyd because to me, one of the reasons he would do it is because it's it's big money. It's a fight that he should win pretty easily. But also, he has everything to lose. Like, he doesn't have... If he wins this fight, it's like, oh, yeah, well, you should have beat him. Yeah. Like, he has nothing to really gain except some more money, which how much more money does he really need? Um, I mean, 
could always use more money. He could always use more, but he's not hurting for money. So I don't know. I really want to believe that it's going to happen. I just, I still am having a hard time seeing, like, what's really in it for Floyd. Unless he's just that confident. Like, I'm going to go in there and just get this guy out of here inside three rounds and it's going to be over. Because well, I don't know, I don't know about that because I don't. He's, he hasn't knocked anyone out uh, convincingly in a long time. But um, I don't know. We'll see how. We'll see how competitive it is. I mean, we've seen Conor gas out before in fights. Mm-hmm. I mean, granted, he's not probably he's not gonna be getting kicked in his, his stomach or anything in this. But still, I mean, it's just he's like, not getting kicked. Is, he's not getting held up against a cage. He's not holding a bigger guy's weight. True, but I mean, it's still at the same point. Like if if you're doing traditional boxing fight, you're gonna have to go more rounds than what you're accustomed to going. So it's gonna be a cardio part piece for uh, Connor to to work on. Yeah, the the one thing <clears throat> I definitely trust Connor on is that whether he has the boxing skill level, which I I just don't think he has. I don't think he can. Floyd is one of the best technical boxers in the history of the sport, whereas Connor is not. He's a good stand-up fighter in MMA, but he's not a classic boxer. I believe that he will be as prepared as humanly possible. He will do everything to be in the best shape. He will do everything to have his skills finely tuned. I just don't know if he is good enough uh, for Floyd. He'd do better than Ronda Rousey would. Well, yeah, (laughs) that's true. Um do do you, as time goes on, gain any more confidence in Conor McGregor being able to win this fight? Do you stay the same? Do you feel even more strongly that he will lose this fight? Like where where do you stand on it? The further this gets along, uh, I don't see him winning boxing wise. Um, not to say now. I mean, he has a shot, literally. Yeah, like um, a puncher's chance. He literally has a punching chance, but that's about it, um, boxing-wise, because it's just hard to hit Floyd. And Floyd is, like, he is the the most notorious counterpuncher probably ever. So, you know, whatever Conor throws, he's just going to counter it. I mean, obviously, we all know the first couple of rounds, he's just going to gauge what what Conor is bringing. And then after that, he's just going to start trying to pick Conor apart. So, um, and this is another point where I say Conor's conditioning has to be a key point in this because Floyd it goes all 12 rounds all 15 he, he changed for more than just 12 rounds so his cardio is ridiculous um and you have to be able to kind of like because all all Floyd does is like the first you know five or six rounds he, he sees what you're doing and then the last six he just he just beats you so <clears throat> I don't see Connor as of right now like I don't see him uh, he could probably last the rounds, but it's not going to be convincingly. I feel like he's going to gas out after a certain point. Um, yeah, and I think especially um, when you're the guy chasing and when you're the guy swinging and missing, that takes more out of you than just being a defensive fighter, which is what I believe. Although maybe Floyd will get a little cocky and think, like, I could tee off on this guy. But I don't think he has any reason to do that. I think he'll just stick to his game plan He'll frustrate Connor. Connor will have a hard time hitting him. And like you said, over the course of, you know, rounds four, five, six through the end, he's going to just 
start building and building that lead and picking them apart. And I just I don't see any way that it really ends well for Connor. All I can say is if this this does happen, all I have to say is hey WWE, Hills versus Hills can work. It can. It 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 can sell if you get the right two heels. Um, although I do think Connor's going to be the baby face in in this in this scenario. Yeah, people hate they hate Floyd more. Yeah, <laughs> and love Connor. Um, we had a huge fight a couple weeks ago, Canelo Alvarez. Uh, it was very huge. dominant win over Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. It wasn't huge. Canelo was huge. Yeah. The fight was not huge. No, it was it was a, a very convincing, uh, very convincing victory, uh, which ultimately led to Canelo versus Triple G officials for September. Yep. Uh, one, did did you see Canelo winning so easily over Chavez? Uh, I didn't. I didn't think it was going to be that easy, but that was. We pretty much watched a live sparring match because <laughs> um, Chavez just got outclassed, like on like just the whole fight. Um, he just got outclassed, and that's all you can really say. But like he got outboxed the whole fight, um, and it was pretty. I feel like it was just like kind of like something to to put in between the the promo for him and Triple G. And I like how you know they got they got the wrestling type entrances now. Mm-hmm. Like, or they have the video and things like that. Like, that's cool. But, um, but yeah, I just feel like that was just something to kind of, like, introduce the, the promo for those two to fight um, pretty much because it wasn't much of a boxing match at all. Like, it was really just, like, watching a sparring match for Canelo. Yeah, it was uh, – <clears throat> he made light work of, uh, of Chavez. Light uh, work is not the word. <laughs> Triple G paper, will be a whole different work. story, though. Yeah, um, and I, I love Triple G because he's kind of like, it's so funny when they ask him about other fighters because it's like he talks great about them, but it's like he has like this smile behind it like, I really don't think this. And they're like, what do you think about this guy? Oh, yeah, he's a great fighter. He's a wonderful fighter. But like his face is just saying he's terrible. I will beat the crap out of him. Yeah, or like, yeah, he might be good, but um, easily better. I know that uh, Triple G opened as a favorite, not a huge favorite, but he opened as the favorite. He's the the bigger guy, but he is eight or nine years older. And I wonder if maybe Triple G, maybe the the mileage is getting up there. Because I think that may be the only chance Canelo has is if Triple G has maybe lost a half step. Means nothing. Floyd Mayweather is a lot older than Canelo when he fought. Means nothing. But Canelo wasn't ready for that fight yet. He's more prepared for this one. He's not ready for this one either, in my opinion. But I mean, he's he's still an awesome fighter, a great fighter. But I mean, he's he's fighting Triple G like you're fighting an elite fighter. Age means nothing. Um, yeah, age means nothing. Um. To me, at least not when it comes to Triple G in the way age means nothing. Yeah, I, I mean, I I believe that Triple G is the favorite for a reason. If I was betting the fight, I'd bet on Triple G. But in in boxing, th- this actually kind of goes back a little bit to Yair Rodriguez. Like, 
he looked like the most dominant featherweight you've ever seen against BJ Penn, and then he got absolutely steamrolled against Frankie Edgar. Like the, the slightest little difference, the slightest little thing can make a huge difference in a fight. So if, because I know people were talking about Triple G not winning by knockout in his most recent fight. I forget who it was against. Um, they were saying maybe Canelo saw that, that, okay, he maybe his knockout power has declined a little bit, which gives him more of a chance. <clears throat> so if, but I think that's the only chance that he has, is if Triple G is not the, the powerful fighter that we all have come to know him as over the course of his career. If he's lost some of that power, Canelo has somewhat of a chance. But another thing that people say is that power is the last thing to go. Like That's why George Foreman won a heavyweight championship when he was in his 40s, because he could still hit hard. Yeah, I doubt that that'll be because I feel like Triple G has pretty much just been like taking fights and stalling out, waiting for this one to happen. So I definitely feel like you know he hasn't lost anything fighting the other fights that he's fought. Like he's just kind of been taking fights, waiting for this this one to come along. So I feel like now that it's come along, this is where he's really gonna flex all of his you know his repertoire and what he's able to do. So this is what he's been waiting for, is what you're saying? Absolutely. This is what everyone has been waiting for. This is one of the last great fights for the last couple of years. It may be, um, maybe even the next few years, this is the, the big fight that everyone has been waiting for. Yeah, it seems like once every five years, there's a fight that comes along that people say, oh, this is the last big fight. It was, you know, I don't remember what year, but it might have been like 05, 06-ish. It was Floyd and De La Hoya. Then it was, you know, Floyd back, yeah. and... Manny. Yep. Now it's Triple G and Canelo. Like, somebody will eventually come along four or five years down the road, and it'll be a huge fight again. But this is like, whereas most people I think knew, Manny was not full-strength Manny Pacquiao at that point. Floyd Mayweather was not in his prime anymore. These are two guys that should theoretically be still at the top of their game. And we're not waiting three years, four years too long for this thing to happen. It's actually going to happen when it should. Yeah, and a lot of people have felt like Golden Boy Productions were stalling out the fight as well. Yeah. Um, so. Do you think this fight lives up to the hype? Or do you think this is an easy win for Triple G? I think it, well, I definitely think it's going to live up to the hype. Like, Canelo's not going to get, I don't, I don't see him getting steamrolled or just, like, you know, punched on the whole fight. I definitely think he's going to be competitive. Um, and I think he's going to hang in there. Um, and I'm looking forward to it. I've been looking forward to this fight for a while now. Um, I think it's going to be a great fight. I think both ends are going to hold up, and we're going to see a really, really good fight. And I kind of think the same thing. I more so hope it, but I, I do think that we will get a good fight. Would you? Is this the type of fight you'd rather see end in a knockout or like just a brawl that goes the distance? I'd rather see a brother go the distance. My favorite fight of all time is the the the, uh, the uh, series between um, Arturo Gotti and Mickey Ward. So I'm all for just you know, let's throw our hands. <laughs> Slugfest. Yeah, pretty much. Because <laughs> those two had no regards for life. Anyone around them, they just threw their hands and said, "Whatever happens, happens." 
Yeah, I was a big Roy Jones Jr. fan back in the day. And almost none of his fights were competitive. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I was a Roy fan too, so I understand that. Um, oh, yeah, rest in peace, Turo Gotti. Thanks for the fights. Um, so, <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, definitely. It's, and it's, it's, it happens like that. You get those ones every so often that just come and it's like, it seems very uncompetitive in, in the divisions because they're just slaughtering people left and right. Yeah. Um, I guess, I mean, that was everything we had for tonight. Is there anything else you want to get into before we uh, close it out? So we're going to introduce a new segment for when we have guests on the show and things like that. Something I've come up with, and we're going to call them the straight fire questions. <laughs> All right, so we're gonna we're gonna do it with you first, Ron. Um, okay. Just to kind of introduce it uh, to the listeners, and you know, if you're uh, a wrestler who happens to listen, who will be on our show soon, or you know, someone of uh, MMA or boxing who will come on the show, then this is the question that you will have to go through. All right, so we're gonna start off with you, Ron. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right, Hulk Hogan or Ric Flair? Ric Flair. Reasoning behind it. I think Hogan was the the guy who kind of built the sports entertainment model of wrestling that we now know. But Ric Flair, I think, arguably the greatest in-ring performer of all time, arguably the greatest promo guy of all time, arguably the most captivating character of all time, I think Hogan is the biggest name of all time, but I think Ric Flair just was the better performer. All right. And I just watched Shawn Michaels vs. Ric Flair at uh, WrestleMania. <laughs> and Flair was in his 60s just putting on a spectacle. But anyway, move on. Yes. Well, this question, I don't even know if I should ask you this because I already know your answer, but I'll <laughs> ask it anyway because it's a part of the questions. Goldberg or Stone Cold? Stone Cold. No surprises there, people. None whatsoever. Because Goldberg is maybe the worst wrestler of all time. <laughs> I'm not surprised that you're bashing <laughs> this man right now. <laughs> there are no surprises there, people. All right, moving on. NWO or DX? This is another tough one for me because NWO changed the landscape. Uh, and they were, they were wrestling for a long time. But... I've said this on Matt Madness before. As a late teen and early into my 20s, like DX, that whole kind of renegade, you know, you think you could tell me what to do, you think you could tell me what to wear, that whole, that whole aura about them actually was like an influence in my real life. So I will say Degeneration X. All right. Next question, Trish Stratus or Lita? Trish Stratus, uh, I don't have like a very complicated answer for this. Just of the two of them, that was just who I preferred. I thought that she was a more well-rounded out performer, character-wise, and I just thought found her more entertaining. Interesting. All right, next question. Sting or The Undertaker? The Undertaker, and this is no disrespect to Sting, but this is all disrespect to WCW. All right. I love the hate. <laughs> uh, Paul Heyman or Eric Bischoff? 
Paul Heyman, uh, partially hatred towards WCW, but to me, Paul Heyman, he was the true genius of the era of the Monday Night Wars. Like, the Monday Night Wars get told as the story of WCW and WWE, but I think Paul Heyman was the engine that made that whole era propel forward. Absolutely. Absolutely, because they pretty much were just taking his talent. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so uh, Matt Hardy version one. This is for you, Aaron, if you ever come <laughs> on show. Matt Hardy version one or Broken Matt? I'm going to say Broken Matt. Just I think it's I think it's great. I think it's hilarious. I think it's captivating. I think it's different. That is no slight to version one, but Broken Matt all day, every day. All right, this is more. It's wonderful. Wonderful. Uh, <laughs> shout out to you, Matt. Come on the show. Um, uh, this is more so a, a me question. Uh, shooting Star Press or Five Star Frog Splash? I do love a, a Shooting Star Press, but I'm going to go Five Star Frog Splash. I uh, would not be mad either way. <laughs> All right, getting to the more intricate uh, questions. Person deceased or retired that you would have wanted to see win a world title? but never did. Hmm. I mean, I could go with either guy who, oh, man, I think I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with Mr. Perfect. Are you trying to, are you trying to butter me up, Brian? I'm not, but that, the other guy was going to be Scott Hall. Oh, no, come on, man. You, come on. You're jiving me. (laughs) I promise you, it's Mr. Perfect. And I guarantee you this is the first time the word jive has been used on the Mad Men. Uh, I believe. I'm almost positive. You're welcome, people. (laughs) All right, and last question. If you could build a stable with four wrestlers and a manager, who would they be? Okay, so this is with me being a wrestler and I'm in this stable. No. Or I'm just building a stable from scratch. Yeah. Okay. My manager... This is a tough one, too. I'd probably make my manager... I think I'd go Bobby the Brain Heenan. I almost went Paul Heyman. Yep, I can see that. But in some cases, Paul Heyman is bigger than the people that he's representing. It kind of happened to Cesaro. Yep. Um, I'm going to say Bobby the Brain Heenan as the manager... So now this has obviously become a heel stable. So I will say my top guy in this stable would probably be... Man, I should have thought about this beforehand. I'll probably say... Needs to be somebody that could be contending for a world title... I think I'm just going to go Ric Flair. Okay. Because obviously he has been the top dog in a stable before. He can talk for himself, but we've seen Bobby work with Ric Flair before. I think that my my mid-card guy... I'm just going to go with the greatest intercontinental champion of all time, the Macho Man Randy Savage. Okay. That's and another guy who kind of stands on his own. He does, but I, I want this to be a powerful stable. 
And then for my tag team, I guess it doesn't have to be a tag team, but I'm going with a tag team anyway. And I may have a different answer on this the next time we're, we're on here, when I, when I get a little more time to really think this out. I think I'm going to go old school with the Heart Foundation. All right. Nothing wrong with that. I like that. That's a good, that's a good, that's a good stable. And what would you name this table? Man. I don't know if I'm going to come up with a good name for this. Uh, you can't do worse than WWE would. You're, you're right, I can't. Um, hmm. I mean, the Heenan family's already taken by, like, a real group. He actually had the Heenan family. Tentative name because I don't want to sit here and waste five minutes on me coming up with a name. <laughs> I'm just going to call it Madness for right now. All right. But I'll, I'll have a, a better name for the, uh, the the next time we we are here for the Perfect Edge. All right. You made it through the straight fire <laughs> questions. So the next time we're on here, assume we don't have a guest. I think I'm going to ask you these questions and then we'll get your answers on the next episode. That works. All right. Well. I guess that is our show for this evening. That was actually uh, fun and a little stressful for me. <laughs> um, but for the mouth of the bout, the face of the heel, the whole effing podcast, what was the other couple of nicknames you threw on there at the end earlier? Don DiBiase and Donnie Mundo. <laughs> or you could call me Dono for those of you who like Dragon. Yes. That is Donovan the Lowdown Lloyd. I am Ron Pashery. And we will see you next time on The Perfect Edge. Top guys, out. They talking all of they talking all of they hop on the top rope, about to land with this elbow. Got them now, put them down right now, hit them with the palm handle. Tuning up the band, y'all don't understand. Fist of Superman, it's a summer slam. Here we go again, fans mocking man. Man, I hate my balls, shut the mission, man. It ain't safe to land, off the cell. Fans love it, ain't hard to tell. Talking madness, awesome well. What I'm cooking, man, y'all off the smell.